Hello and welcome to one more episode of the Old Plane Podcast, where every week we cover some aspect of the aviation industry in the company of those that know best about it. But first of all, allow me a quick reminder that you can find all episodes of this podcast, as well as many other interesting stories about aviation, on our website, oldplane.tv. That's A L P L A N E dot TV. As you may have noticed, one of the areas where we are increasingly focusing our attention is that of green flying. In other words, the different ways that the aviation industry is attempting to become more sustainable and decarbonize. And in today's episode, we have two guests that have been doing their bit to achieve this goal, to make aviation greener. Morel Westerman is a consultant and keynote speaker in technology and green energy. And Malik Aziz is an entrepreneur, media producer and podcaster that happens to run Clean Electric, the number one podcast in German language dedicated to electric mobility, which you will find on cleanelectric.de. Morel and Malik were co-organizers, together with some other electric mobility enthusiasts, of an initiative that made headlines last summer, particularly in Germany, Switzerland, and the German-speaking world. They completed an all-electric flight between the Swiss Alps and the island of Norderney off the North Sea coast of Germany. That's an itinerary of more than 800 kilometers which they completed in three days and 13 stages. And during this journey, several records for all-electric flying were set. It is really fascinating to listen to such two enthusiastic green aviation pioneers, to listen to them talk about this trip and about electric aviation in general. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our guests today. Hello. You are joining us from Germany, the both of you, or one of you is in Switzerland. Where are you based now? Uh, so let me start, Malik. Yeah. Um, it's me, Morel. Um, I'm based in Switzerland. Um, from my English accent, it's probably not so easy to hear, but um, I'm originally from Germany as well. But I moved to, to Switzerland um, 17 years ago, uh, mainly for flying. Um, and uh, so this is where I'm based now here. Uh, eight minutes from my home um, airport, which is a very, very small airport, airfield more or less. And um, yeah, I just returned from uh, Schenes, which is the name of the small airfield. And we had this morning a nice production for a German TV station about the future of electric flying. So yeah, this is what I'm doing basically um, and uh, promoting the electric aviation in the last couple of months mainly. Yeah, actually, I wanted to start by asking you to to explain a little bit who you are and what you do, because I think you um, you are very active in different aspects of what we must say, the energy transition, electrification, and you um, have a number of initiatives. One of them is the wall, uh, the record-breaking flight that we're going to talk about. Um, but I would like you to, to explain me uh, all these different initiatives that you guys are doing. Okay, maybe I start uh, with introducing who I am because I come from a little bit uh, of a different angle. My name, my name is Malik Aziz. I'm uh, based in Germany, in Aachen, totally in the west of uh, Germany. 
and I am a graphic designer. I have a video production company. I'm also a podcaster for five years now. And um, also I'm part of one of, um, it's the biggest German-speaking podcast about electric mobility. It's called Clean Electric. And so I'm also very invested and interested in the energy transition, as you said before. So all of my work basically sometimes comes together as in this world electric flight, you know, world record electric flight, um, where I can use all of the things that I've learned throughout my life. But I'm not a pilot. I'm not flying myself. I'm just uh, interested in getting away from burning oil. Mm -hmm. Very well. So uh, you guys were in the news recently because you were the organizers of a record-breaking electric flight that ran between Switzerland and, and an island in, in the North Sea in Germany. You basically managed to break five different records related to electric flight. Um, I would like to speak a little bit about this project because that kind of this is kind of a flagship uh, project to to show a number of advantages of electric flight right um can you give me a bit of a background of how this flight was conceived uh, who are the people behind it and also you know how it went absolutely i think this is uh well let's start a little bit earlier um i joined or i'm invited to the clean electric podcast uh, malik mentioned before uh, several times about some future topics because um, i'm keynote speaker and moderator of events um, especially in the domain of um, transition to carbon neutral transportation and energy and um, so this was um, one of the reasons why i was invited to clean electric where i met malik and then um, we learned a lot of, about each other and um, Malik helped me to set up my own webpage um, regarding the consultancy or strategy consulting for companies who are willing to transform their business or build up their business in regards of um, electric transportation, electric mobility. And um, for these kind of video production, uh, I invited Malik and his colleague Tom to Switzerland to our home base, Schenes, where we had one of the first ever electric airplanes. This was a prototype for the plane we were flying later. Um, it was the Pipiste, which is the company who built this, Pipiste in Slovenia, um, the Alpha Electro. And um, one of my colleagues on the airfield, uh, Marco Buolza, um, founded the first electric pilot school. And therefore we invited um, the camera team to produce um, an interview situation, an interview about the potential and the vision of this, not only electric uh, pilot school, but us in general for the electric aviation. And um, yeah, this this legendary tweet from Malik, and then you can jump on Malik, um, was <laughs> I think the initial phase of this project. So you met, the whole project started because of a tweet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, yes. yes. Basically, yes. It starts with a tweet. Yeah. 160 <laughs> characters are enough sometimes. <laughs> well, I must say personally, I mean, I got involved in some very interesting projects also through tweets and other connections established in a similar way. So yeah, it's, uh, it's powerful. 
Yeah, what happened was um, we were just shooting uh, the nice interview with Marco and Morel. And I was just taking photos of the nice scenery in Switzerland, you know, the Alps in the background and the hangar and the plane and stuff. And I tweeted about uh, it in a way like, okay, if work always is as beautiful as today, then I love working, something like this. And um, one long-term listener of the Clean Electric podcast was Toby. And Toby is the brewer, I mean, literally brewing beer in uh, at Norderney. It's an island in the north of Germany, for the ones who don't know. So basically a cross-country tweet, if you so want. So he saw the electric plane and he's an electric... Um, Enthusiast. Yeah, enthusiast, evangelist since for early days. Yeah, yeah, since like 20 years or something. And also the brewery, you know, is very um, energy efficient and uh, all the cars and the trucks are electric, etc. So he knows about small planes because on the little islands, they are being used as a transportation device, not only for fun. So people do hopping from island to island. They go to the mainland, which is only, I don't know, half an hour away Um And so he was intrigued immediately and he tweeted back, uh, is like, hey, can we get that plane on my island? And uh, I think, Morel, you jumped in and you had a call with him then. Yeah, so it was basically it was an invitation to come over to show everyone on the island that the electric aviation is possible. And this was one of these main ideas from Toby to show everyone, hey, not only um, delivering beer on this small island with my electric uh, delivery trucks is possible today. No, flying from one island to the other and to the to the mainland is possible um, today. And, and he invited, invited us basically to uh, show the plane. And um, well, yeah, um, Northern Eye from Schenis is about 800 plus kilometers distance. So uh, it was absolutely clear that we can't go in one leg, so we can't make it in, in, in just one full charge, let's say. And uh, we need to um, stop over, charge over uh, several times. But um, I reached out to Marco, said, well, Marco, we have an invitation to Norderney. Um, are you willing to show the plane over there? And he was crazy enough to say, well, well it, it will be more a logistical challenge uh, to make it happen. But uh, from the aviation part, yeah, there's, this is the reason why <laughs> planes are designed. Let's go over and fly over there. And um, <laughs> the next step was, again, uh, reaching out to Malik, saying, well, um, Malik, we have some crazy stuff in the pipeline already, and we are working, well, we are, we are producing podcasts about this topic um, together. Would you mind to help us out with the camera and, and some audio recording equipment and making this, um, like, visible? And... Um, also social media, media yeah. social media and, and Malik is the absolute social media guru, I would say. I'm far away from your ability, skills and, and ambitions on that. So he said, well, yeah, crazy <laughs> enough. And um, I think, um, yeah, I, you reached out to Tom and, and then there, all this stuff started, right? Yeah, that's what happened. We must say that Northern Nine and Shanice, it's basically it's as far as you can go in a straight line in, in the German speaking world. Yeah. Uh, north of Northern Eye, it's, it's finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's in the North Sea, um, not far from, from Bremen. Uh, it's in the north of Germany. And Shanis is in, uh, it's in Canton, Switzerland, uh, Canton Zurich? It's Canton St. Gallen, but, okay. uh, St. Gallen, near Zurich, um, but, uh, near Zurich uh, depends on, it's one hour drive by car in the south east from Zurich. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's Zurich area, I would say, it's Zurich greater area. It's 800 kilometers in a, in a straight line, more or less. 
Uh, straight line is, I think, 713, but we had to um, uh, fly in some legs, and this is not the 100% straight line, so we had to add some um, additional kilometers on that. So I think from point to point um, over our stops, it was 838 kilometers. Uh, what was the effective flight line? Okay, so then you had this idea, let's do this. So what was the next step? You had to basically come up with a flight plan, I guess, uh, a logistic, right. some logistic planning. Um, you also had to set up a number of stops, make sure that you could recharge the plane and those stops. Can, can you tell me a bit more about what happened next? Yeah, I will, I will explain the uh, flight plan thing and Malik will be um, will taking over the um, logistic thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was absolutely clear that this can't be done in, in one leg. Um, the Pipistrel Velis Electro, which was then the first ever certified plane following the um, Alpha Electro as experimental, um, has an uh, endurance about 50 minutes. And um, this is around 100 kilometers or let's say um, 60, 70 nautical miles. And um, it was absolutely clear that we need to split this distance into some um, some um, legs. And um, while we are doing this, we said, okay, um, on every airfield we will land, we are the first ever electric airplane. So we need to make sure there's electricity available. We are um, able to set up our charging infrastructure because no one absolutely no one uh, had some charging infrastructure ready, even not for cars mostly, but uh, definitely not for planes because the only electric airplane now on scale or let's say on sale, um, production sale is, is the um, PB Stradivelis, which is with an own charger, with an own charging plug. Um, basically, it's it's, um, uh, it's. So it's different from a. It's it's a different charging system. It's not comparable to a, to that of an electric car. So well, basically, yes. At the, at the end, it's electric energy flowing, right? But um, it is um, a GBT uh, connector, which is not commonly used in 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 cars in Germany. Basically, uh, we have Type Two or uh, CCS, and um, the GBT uh, plug is a little bit different. Looks similar but it's a little bit different and the protocol is uh, something um, uh, especially for airplanes. So we have we had to um, prepare our own charger, which is delivered by the plane as well. And um, while we are planning this, we, we came up with the, uh, let's say, idea that it's probably not very wise to have only one charger um, transported <laughs> by car because a plane is it's flying direct line and it's flying faster than a car can drive on German standard roads. Um, it is... Um, we have to wait for the car. And then we we came up with the idea to have two of these chargers and we need two uh, ground crews. And this is the part uh, Malik will explain. Yeah, since uh, we found out that we really need uh, two ground crews, um, we, we were, and this is a very important point in the whole thing, um, we were shouting out for help into the clean electric community. And... Um, just as an average, we have 20 to 25,000 listeners in the German-speaking countries. So we explained the ideas, like we want to go with a plane that basically only can fly for one hour. We want to go cross-country and um, maybe somebody can help. And people were flocking. They were really 
coming in in droves to help us. They were we, literally that night we had to set up like an online Excel sheet to organize all the people who wanted to help. And first of all, they said we can like this and that airfield is close to where I'm living. I can go there with my Tesla and I can test if the electricity socket that they have, uh, if it really holds, you know, if, uh, or maybe... Um, Sometimes those electricity sockets, they were there, but they haven't been used for 10 years. So we really needed to test it. And we couldn't drive ourselves across the country and test all of those airfields. So people were doing that for us, um, for free, just because they were so excited about the idea. And also when we found out we need a second ground crew, we asked in a public Q&A, we were doing this on YouTube, um, hey, maybe there's someone else who wants to drive from Switzerland to Norderney and back, which is, you know, I mean... <laughs> and back. And back, which literally means, you know, you have to take the time. This was obviously an endeavor that would take 10 days maybe. And uh, you would have to have, uh, you know, take your holiday or whatever. It's so, a road trip though. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of a road trip. And, uh, you know, with all the difficulties and we knew we were very dependent on the weather, so it wasn't planable by the minute and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then there were Kerstin and Stefan, uh, also listeners of the podcast, they were immediately intrigued. They uh, called me on several channels, basically writing emails and say, we are in, we are in, we even have our own Model S. And I said, uh, that's not even necessary because Tesla was so kind as to provide us with the ground crew cars. But uh, in the end, we even um, used their own Model S. So uh, this was one of the first problems, like which car would hold this charger because the charger is 75 kilos of metal. This is a heavy beast and it's as big as a suitcase, you know, like a flight suitcase, a normal a one. A big one. Yeah. A big a one, big yeah. Huge. So you it need a... close the trunk uh, from the Model S and nearly 80%, I would say. Yeah. So, um, you know, there were some just very basic difficulties we had to uh, overcome. And, but then this was when the team was completed. So in the end, it was uh, Tom and I for the video, social media and ground crew, number one. Then there was... Kerstin and Stefan, ground crew number two, and uh, Kerstin did a lot of the uh, organization. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. And um, then, of course, Morel and Marco were the plane crew, if you so want, the pilot crew. And Tobi was organizing in Norderney, or on Norderney, I should say, um, all the event for when we came. But he also drove down to Switzerland to um, basically be a joker car, if you so want, um, um, to help us out and he wanted to be part of the whole event. So he went down from Norderney, then he spent the first days with us and then he drove faster towards home so he could organize the whole event, press event and uh, so on for when we would be landing. Yeah, so and Kerstin did a lot of the logistics and I absolutely, I must say, I underestimated that. Um, she was using a better route planner. Maybe m many electric drivers will know that little app or website um, for really figuring out when does car number one or car number two has to be where exactly so we have time enough to orientate ourselves on the airfield, find the electric socket, um, you know, unload the car, plug everything, wait for the plane. So when the plane is coming, basically we have zero waiting time. That was our goal. And this was not so easy to achieve because we also had to cross, for example, the Swiss-German border with all of that equipment. And you never know, is there a traffic jam or, you know, things can happen. But uh, Kerstin did a tremendous job. She did really, she did an awesome job and it, in the end it worked well. 
<laughs> this was this was this was already um, in 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 let's say in the doing of the project, but um, in the beginning of this all these preparations, uh, I sent out emails to every airfield we were heading yeah. for to check if if there's a possibility to charge, if the charger was the plug, the electric power connector is uh, in range of an airfield of an airplane, um, and there were crazy stories uh, about that because one of the uh, friends and listeners of this clean electric podcast said, "Wow, well, I know." airfield here over there very well and if it's not working out we can uh, pull by hand the plane over the road and bring it to a friend of mine which is a garage and we can charge it over there and some crazy ideas so there was an absolutely amazing support from the community even with crazy ideas we we finally uh, did not pull this uh, let's say joker card but um, there was so many um, ideas and enthusiasm around to help us it was absolutely crazy uh, regarding the airfield um, feedbacks it was um, always the same like oh cool um, we are part of, of something very in the future uh, the ever first electric plane ever will land over here and they had so many things um, supporting us uh, we never paid mm -hmm. landing or, or departure fees <laughs> We were always invited, and I asked in my email. So, do we have some some um, payment system for the electricity? So we will charge about seventy to twenty five kilowatt hours. Um, is there anything we can pay this kind of electricity because it's not for free, right? And no one. <laughs> had a no, payment good. system for that available so they said okay to make it easy uh, we will just um, invite you for the power um, and, and <laughs> so we we never paid any lending or departure fees and even no uh, electricity which was cool and on top of this um, a lot of local guys reached out to their electric cars communities and literally on every um, airfield we landed we had some kind of an community happening it was it was so crazy um i never had uh, a follow me car in front of uh, very little airplanes um, but we had uh, several of them an oh. electric um um, yeah. rain, uh, Jane, um range rover no it wasn't a, no, range no, a mini was scooper land rover uh, land rover electric land ah, rover that one yeah. so home home built uh, electric land rover electric mini Yep. Uh, a twizzy, some kind of so the people were so into this and so helpful. It was absolutely crazy. So if ever someone from this community is listening to your podcast, thank you again for this yes. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> stunning support. And um, regarding some logistics stuff, um, we figured out that we had uh, a huge uh, camera equipment, uh, which got sponsored by Canon. Thanks on that. As again, we had, uh, I think, uh, several 10,000 um, euros Swiss francs uh, in camera equipment in mm -hmm. the car. And then someone came up with the question, so did you ever thought about taxes and customs? And if you uh, uh, transport some equipment and expensive stuff over a border what does it mean and we'll say, oh and <laughs> we back. never thought about that yeah, yeah. and this really yeah. smashed us back um we had to figure out how we make this official because um this could break the whole project so if someone was blocked on on the border control with okay you have a charger about whatever 15,000 swiss francs in your trunk uh, you have equipment for 20,000 um, euros in in your car did you ever thought about customs and yeah. <laughs> so we had to figure out this as well um and and uh, again it was it was more a logistical challenge than the aviation stuff this worked out until the day we started your project then we came uh into into a uh, real life i would say situation uh, the day we would start and we planned to start and as malik said everything was more or less planned to the minute minute we had the worst ever uh, rainfalls since I know I don't know years uh, in Switzerland. So the the airfield was flooded, 
completely flooded, 20 to 30 centimeters flooded by water. And it was absolutely no way. We had, to, I would say, 150, 200 people uh, attending our media conference, press conference for the departure. And it was super hard for me to tell everyone there, okay, thanks for coming. We will have our uh, event but we can't depart today. We can't go today. It's so heavy rain and everyone was soaked by water from, from head to feet. It was absolutely crazy. Um, you will find some pictures on our page on that. And we had to postpone for one day. But because you had a very, very narrow uh, time window, right? Because you needed a certain amount of daylight hours to complete the different stages. Yeah, the, the whole planning was limited on that. So um, um, we said, we, well, it would be easier to have a more, let's say, lead time for organizing such a project. We started from this legendary tweet to departure. I think it was eight, nine weeks, 10 yeah, weeks. Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, from the tweet to the real start of the project, some, some weeks left as well. So uh, I think for the whole project, it was less than eight weeks yeah. for, the, for the hot phase of this project. And uh, sorry to jump in, but including uh, Morel's awesome work on collecting enough sponsors so we could even make it work because the whole thing we were sure like anticipating about 50 to 80,000 euros uh, that's what it would cost depending on what we exactly had to pay and hotels on the way you know and stuff like this and the plane etc etc so um, we knew it would be costly and Morel I don't know how you <laughs> figured that out how you pulled that off but uh in, during these eight weeks, uh, we made it work. He made it work. So uh, that was all at once. You know, we had nighttime yeah. sessions, uh, like Zoom conferences every night. And um, yeah, trying to figure out who could do what so we could possibly make it ha happen because of daylight. It was really an, uh, a 24-hour, uh, seven days project in these eight weeks. Um, thanks Thanks for the flowers, Mali. <laughs> um, I, I think um, in this project, everyone used his superpowers um, uh, in the most, in the best ever way. And uh, I have a quite, um, let's say, um, interesting network in Switzerland, Germany, in regards of um, aviation, transportation, and sustainable, sustainable energy um, companies and people. And um, we finally made it happen from the financing um, point of view with with only companies related to this domain so we don't have any let's say insurance companies or banks or whatever probably big money in but um, we had um, everyone who sponsored and supported this project was really into this topic and it was absolutely cool to see that everyone got the idea and this is probably one of my things um, storytelling skills and and um, getting people onto the same page and connecting people this yeah, is probably for what, sure what, what what what's me easy or what feels easy for me and um, it worked really out in in eight weeks we had the um, fundraising done and um, it was clear we can go uh, but we didn't have any plane onto this day. <laughs> okay I, I, I was about to ask you when, when the plane was rented was someone loaned it to you what what did you get it from well, um, with with Marco uh, and very very good connections to Ma, uh, Marco Pato, which is the main importing guy for distributor, sorry, main distributing guy of uh, Pipistrelle airplanes in the German speaking area, um, we knew that the first ever plane will be hand over to Marco Pato in the very south of Switzerland. And there was a date which is already postponed, was already postponed for several times. And we started the planning without having a plane available. This was not there in Switzerland. Um, but Marco and, uh, ordered it two years earlier. Like yeah. he was supposed to get it in June. 
um, but he didn't yet because of Corona. I think everything got postponed. And then, um, yeah, Morel and Marco knew that Mark would have one. And because you um, had we... one, sorry, you had one pilot, Marco, or you were piloting Morel as well? Well, I don't have a license for this kind of planes, but um, yes, I was co-pilot, so I was um, benefiting from, from the airtime. Um, I have now 22 hours training on this plane as well, so um, getting this license will be a little bit easier for me now. And um, regarding the plane, it was delivered, I think it was 15th of June or 20th of June, something around that, uh, to the south of Switzerland, and then there were, it was on the wrong place. And again, it was uh, not easy to fly it across Switzerland with the uh, limited range. So Marco was flying over there, um, his, uh, his partner, uh, Helen, was flying him to Ecuvien and he took over the plane and then someone found out that you can't jump just onto a new plane, you need to familiarization, you need to make a, a type rating, something some less than a type rating, but something like a type rating. And uh, even Marco was um, part of the testing and the experimental flying and, and everything someone officially decided <laughs> no valid license to fly this plane so he he really he really <laughs> squeaked in some uh familiarization flights within within um, instructor and then he um brought this plane by air um so, to shenis i think three days before departure mm, yeah something like thursday th we uh, barely late, had time to put the stickers on yeah the tickers <laughs> put on on uh, well basically overnight yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, a close it was, call it, it was a very close call but at the end it, it finally worked out um until the weather <laughs> <laughs> which was so, good uh, which was good in the end absolutely but the next yeah. the next day you had nice weather yes you managed to take uh, off? well enough weather yeah. i guess well <laughs> <laughs> okay and then 11 stops right between there and the right. end point yeah and with every stop, so we had we had some let's say weather on the edge. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, it it started uh, quite um, well, and um, we had uh, very very m much energy into the atmosphere. So during the first day, thunderstorms developed and rainfall and and clouds um, are lower to the surface. So it was um, it was a, it was a challenge a little bit, but um, we were limited to VFR flights, so um, we had to. Uh, manage uh, around the thunderstorm stuff and and it was it was possible and i think it was not risky at all but it needed some experience for marco and and local knowledge we got from the efforts um on site so it was uh, yeah it was it was absolutely possible maybe that's uh, important to explain for the ones who are not uh, into aviation um vfr is like visual flight range Roots, yeah. Uh, roots. Okay, um, and because we had like two factors. One is daylight, and you explained to me, Morel, that um, the daylight times in flying are uh, defined by half an hour before sunrise until half an hour um, after sundown. That's correct. So this is the whole time we had, and this is also why we were a bit um, trying to make this work as fast as possible because this peak of summer was over and the days were getting shorter. So we knew if we wanted to do this in 2020, we needed to do it soon. This is why we only had eight weeks. And uh, also the second limitation is um, with that small plane, you're not flying like maybe what you know from a Boeing 747, um, just strictly on uh, instruments, but from only from what you can see. 
So visual flight. And that means you, I mean, uh, as you told me, Morel and Marco told me, rain in itself is not such a problem, but you need to be able to see other planes and visibility obstacles. Point, visibility, yeah. Yeah. In, in heavy rain, visibility drops down to nearly zero. This is then not any more possible in VFR. Um, but um, yeah, this was where we were um, uh, flying uh, around the rain cells. And um, I, I think the first day we landed, it was such a thunderstorm, rainy thing. On We, touched, we had touched down uh, in dry conditions and we had the first, uh, I would say, landing beer in the hand. And then it really, really came down with, mm. with thunderstorms and everything. Because how long, when, when you had these kind of pit stops along the way, how long does it take to charge a plane and be back on the air? You had two overnight stops, right, along the route. So yes. in total, it right. was three days, but you had a number of stops where you just stopped and took off as soon as possible. How long did it take to, to charge uh, the plane? So uh, in our um, planning, it was two hour um, time slots reserved for uh, from touchdown to departure, two hours. And charging time was varying around one hour. Um, because we had some, let's say, challenging distances for this plane, we were departing only with 100% state of charge. And as you know from electric cars, um, the, the power flows a little bit slower at the end of the charging. So from 80 to 100% takes longer time to charge uh, because the current is lower. And um, yeah, I, I would say in the daily use, uh, one hour will be absolutely enough to fly around. But in, in this, uh, let's say, edge case, um, we stuck on 100% on state of charge. So it was one hour and 15, one hour 10, around this. Because, uh, well, this flight, obviously, the, the main purpose was to uh, show the capabilities of electric flight. But you came up with a list of seven records that you wanted to break in this trip mm -hmm. set up i would uh, prefer to set up mm, yeah thanks malik yeah sorry breaking breaking is only possible if there's some benchmark already there and because we flew the first ever certified uh, electric airplane which is a production airplane not a prototype um we defined our world records um in this way um that is done by a uh, fully certified airplane and then there's nothing there's nothing even in the fia federal aviation industry or um uh, in in uh, whatever uh, guinness world records or something like this there is nothing because it's the first ever plane and okay. we have a pro we flew production number three so two and one um still in um in slovenia for pipistrel uh, demo flights and and um, further testings and so the first ever sold airplane was the plane we flew around so serial mm -hmm. number three and um, this was the reason why we were able to set the records and we didn't need to any break anyone so um, I was about to say the seven records were the lowest energy consumption over 700 kilometers the highest average speed over 700 kilometers the highest flight altitude ever reached by an electric aircraft, the fastest climbing performance over a number of ranges, so from 0 to 1,000 meters, 1,000 to 2,000, 2,000 to 3,000, the fastest average speed over 100 kilometers, the smallest number of intermediate stops over 700 kilometers, and the longest electrically flown route in 24, 48, and 56 hours. So you basically, you set the records in all of these categories. There's only two that were not possible due to the weather i think are the two related to altitude because they uh, again the, the, this this full weather you found some points during the trip interfere with that 
but all the others were were successfully set up right yeah exactly and um what's important to understand and also took me a while since i come from electric driving but i have never flown before so to speak or had to do with aviation is that um obviously the electric motor the electric engine is four to five times more efficient than an ice car like an internal combustion engine in general so uh, with cars with planes doesn't matter the electric motor is far superior in that so it what it was obvious that we would be better uh, in energy consumption. But uh, even though you could say, okay, there was no world record set up yet for efficiency, um, for electric planes, that's true. But of course, there is something to compare it to. And that's the same kind of electric uh, um, combustion engine planes that already exists for many, many years. Even the Velis that we were using, there is an equivalent with a combustion engine en uh, combustion engine that is the so-called virus, Pipistrel virus, exactly the same plane, different engine. And um, we were uh, yeah, anticipating to use four to five times less energy, so 20 to 25% basically only, and that's what we also achieved. So for pilots, and we met many of them along the way, um, who were experienced in the so-called normal planes, they were really, you know, that was raising eyebrows to tell them, yeah, we were, we just came here on the plane, kind of a plane like you, know, like the one you know, but only on 20% of the energy. Mm -hmm. And so Actually, there is sorry, a comparison, a and that's the standard, and that's combustion engines. Yes, I want, I wanted to go there because there's a number you mentioned that I found really amazing. It's like the energy you consumed it's equivalent of 20 liters of diesel 19 i think even. 19 yeah. 19 liters of diesel yeah from the alps to the north sea yeah 838 kilometers yeah that that's a bummer isn't it so that's that's crazy <laughs> that's, that's, that's absolutely a, crazy a bummer thing. yeah it was um in in the interview we had today uh with the tv team I mentioned this figure and they was, what? Mm -hmm. It was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, so if you have a comparable plane, um, it will use around five, four to five times more diesel. And if you break it down to the costs, so every charge of this battery is about four to five Swiss francs, euros, whatever, call it seven euros, seven euros for one hour of light. So it's just absolutely crazy. Electricity is uh, a little bit cheaper than... Uh, fuel but <laughs> you consume four to five times less so the average cost of fuel for one hour flying is in this plane around four to five six whatever you count euros and um, if you compare this um, or if you have this on this huge distance 800 nearly 840 kilometers uh, we had only um, 190 kilowatt hours on electricity consumed which is absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. And you averaged 125 kilometers per hour, right? That's a, that was the average speed. Yeah, uh, all over, yeah. And if you compare it, I think um, mostly people are more used to um, energy consumption by cars. And um, in, in a Tesla Model S, which is known as a quite efficient car, uh, uses the same kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers as we did. So we, we used 22.76, so 22 around 22 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers, which is absolutely comparable to a Tesla Model S, but we were flying and we were a little bit faster in average. Uh, so this and is heavier. really <laughs> and no, heavier. It depends, yeah. It depends. No, it depends. No, no. No. Uh, the uh, maximum takeoff weight of these people's trail 
Uh, Vitis Electro is 600 kilos, so it's not a very huge plane. And um, the the point is, it is so amazing how efficient the plane could be. And while flying, you do not con produce any noise, nothing you can uh, hear on the ground. And um, even it's it's uh, it could be carbon neutral. So this is a, I think it's absolutely a milestone in aviation. So we had, um, I think a couple of hundred, hundred plus years, um, more or less nothing changed in aviation um, so much. I think the internal combustion, oh, the, the internal combustion engine uh, was one um, very, very important step for planes. Then the turbines, um, I think the next leapfrog step, but then the electric uh, engine came and, and um, Malik, probably you will explain the story of this book of the book <laughs> oh wow aviation. yeah yeah um this is one of the stories that we um yeah that happened basically along the way um things you cannot plan for there's um a guy um his name is alex and uh, he is for 33 years now he's putting together a book the golden book of aviation and uh, space flight And uh, I wasn't aware of it, but um, basically it's not really one book. I think by now it's 35 very big uh, leather books. And what he's doing is um, he's collecting original signatures and photos and also like little stories of pilots and uh, maybe crews who did something extraordinary for aviation, starting with the family And I'm only talking originals. So he's flying around the world, meeting the people and letting them sign the book. And uh, for example, Otto Lilienthal's family is in there. You know, there are photos of him as a child. And it's his, I think, granddaughter who wrote in there. Or the guy whose grandfather built the engine for the Wright brothers. Um, or also, I think, 45 astronauts, um, Buzz Aldrin, the, also the last guy who was on the moon, uh, his name evades me right now, uh, many cosmonauts, the guy who test, uh, test flew the Concorde, for example, or, um, you know, the co-pilot who survived the Mogadishu attack, like in the 70s in Germany, the Olympic attack, and had to stay on the plane for three days with shocked uh, passengers, things like this, uh, the guy who um, landed in the Hudson River, for example. You know, he has like endless stories like this. And Alex came out to see us twice to get our team in his book. And the next, he, he reserved that page after Otto Lilienthal's family for us because he said basically we're closing into 100 years of uh, aviation and this is the turn of a page. You are writing history here. And this, this is a personal project of this guy. So yes. This, this book is not like published or anything. No, no, that's a unique that book. Like... No, it's one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it's 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 published in he has a web page and in some uh, newspapers he's already mentioned. I think this is it is his Yeah, yeah, there's media coverage hobby, about media it. Coverage. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I think these books are only existing in one original. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So actually, yeah, I wanted to ask you about this whole historical longer term perspective because you you both are very knowledgeable on all things electric and, and uh, carbon neutral mobility. How do you see things going from here? I mean, we have now <laughs> this year, we have seen lots of initiatives. There's a lot of talk of electric, of uh, hydrogen. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of buzz around. And uh, as you know, aviation, it's quite 
slow because there's a lot of regulation, there's huge investment in the middle. Right. Um, so what's your vision as experts in this area? May I take yeah. over on this part? Um, well, yeah, this is mainly uh, a storyline I can present on stage and, and in, in consulting uh, um, projects. Um, and I start with, an, with a small story about creating popcorn. You know, you have popcorn uh, into a pan and then you heat up the pan and nothing, nothing happens. So you have the oil and the popcorn and the pan and the fire under that. And, and you think, well, popcorn is now electric aviation, electric mobility, elect uh, conversion to electric mobility in general, and nothing happens. So this was happened the last couple of years. And I think the, the first popcorn popped up uh, with the Tesla cars um, in the early days with the Roadster and then with Model S and X. And now it turns really the whole industry, the transportation industry. And so we have a couple of popcorns already in our pan and, and, and it's still popping. And But it really starts now. So this is an exponential um, development now. We have doubling uh, the, the um, selling numbers of electric cars or even plug-in cars um, every, every year. It's doubling. And with the aviation industry, I would say we were there where we were 10 years ago in the, uh, in the automotive industry. And, and the same story now, the first popcorn pops now. And um, with the first ever electric airplane, it is not visible for a lot of people. And this was the main goal of this project, to make it more visible, to, to show everyone this is happening today, this is possible today. We have electric airplanes now. And in the next couple of days, we will see this exponential development, or, uh, same like popcorn pops into the pan. And, and the next airplanes are already in the pipeline. So there are 170 companies at the moment developing um, alternative um, ways of creating airplanes. Um, the Volocopter and Lilium stuff is everybody aware of. Um, the, the, the air mobility, urban air mobility stuff is coming up. Uh, in UK, we have the first airline who will operate Pipistrelle Velis electric planes to fly around um, from, from local airfields to another local airfield um, with, a, with a fraction of the price. And it, it really starts now, which is absolutely crazy time to be alive. And, and what we have, I think what we have achieved with this project is a huge media coverage, which, which really uh, reached out to you um, and to show everyone it's possible now. And it's going, uh, it's, it's really, really starting now. And if you see how the electric batteries are developing in the couple of uh, next years, um, so many investments are now flowing into the development of the next generation of electric batteries. Tesla is, is leading this pack again, um, but um, there are several other companies are trying to make batteries more efficient, lighter, more powerful and cheaper. And this will absolutely benefit the whole transportation and as well the, the aviation sector. Yeah, certainly. I've been following this space for quite some time. I can tell this year you are seeing like how activity is kind of spiking. I mean, it's not that things that come out of nowhere, of course. There's a lot of work that was being done before. But now, I mean, it's like not a day passes that you come across some, some headlines, some new, new story, someone developing something new in this area. So, yeah, I guess that's, that's accelerating. There's people in the industry, though, that are of two minds of whether it's going to be electric or hydrogen, though, when it comes to larger airlines. There's some people uh, 
saying that, well, maybe hydrogen, it's, it's a more viable in, uh, technology for, for larger airplanes. It's still electric, though. That's what people sometimes forget. Mm. Yeah, because of production, right? No, I mean, it's, it's no. an electric engine, the same as it would be in a battery electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. But um, instead of a battery, maybe mm -hmm. you're putting in, you know, some other form of fuel. Mm -hmm. some other form of e electric fuel. But as I said, the engine yeah. in itself is so much yeah. more efficient than a combustion engine in any way that it will always be cheaper. And it's even cheaper also because you don't have to uh, repair it all the time. And so I think just the... Less moving parts. Right? Yeah, this and um, yeah, there's not constantly something exploding inside of it, maybe <laughs> that's uh, part of it. Um, I'm just saying just from the pressure of cost alone, electric will prevail it must because it is you know sometimes you have uh, efficiency increases of like one percent like the last bmw and the next generation of bmws uh, maybe they are better by one or two percent even though they market it much higher but that's basically what happens with combustion engines now you have a not even new technology, but a renewed technology that's coming around the corner and saying hey we are not better by one percent or two percent we are better by like eighty percent or, you know, even 50%, it doesn't matter. Like, um, And, of course, we have the pressure of the rising CO2 levels worldwide and rising political pressure by that. So that's going to drive the cost up. That's what I would uh, project. And so all in this together, the electric engine, I think, personally, is absolutely set. This is the future. And then people should start discussing... Um, because of the weight of batteries, which is a problem, has been a problem for us. Um, how you store this electricity. Yeah, how, how you store the electricity, exactly. So I, I think that's the point. And when people compare or they, they set this head-to-head, -head, like it's electric or hydrogen, then they forget that both are electric. Hydrogen just has a, a different form of storing fuel. And a fuel cell, and a fuel cell contains a battery as well. Yeah. So it is a much more complex uh, powertrain. Uh, yes, you can store more energy with a lot of downsides as well. Um, before this, I would say we will see um, synthetic fuels um, to maintain our combustion engines or turbines uh, for long distance flying. Um, it will remain on some kind of fuel, but this is hopefully not anymore. Fossil, it will be synthetic. Like methanol, for example? Yes, and, mm -hmm. and for short um, short distance flying, it will be electric, definitely yes. And in the beginning, very short distance as we flow in our legs. <laughs> but um, very soon, uh, it will um, reach the same level of endurance we have in, in small airplanes uh, today. So um, we you can calculate when this point will reach in the future so if you have a standard a powertrain for a light aircraft like a piper or a chestnut or what is a small one four seaters it is a standard like coming uh, engine in there and um, you can write what the powertrain uh, writes today and what kind of endurance you have and if you put project the um, efficiency uh, increase of batteries and the whole powertrain and everything then you will find out that in a couple of years six to eight years from now so 2026 or 2028 latest 2030 we have an energy power and weight equivalent in electric power planes compared to what we have currently in this like coming standard um, internal combustion engine so this is absolutely stunning to see 
that we started in 2020 today with a small and very limited range airplane but in less than 10 years from now uh, we will fly everything what we have currently at the, uh, the let's say small aircraft mm -hmm. light aircraft four seaters something private pilot flying around um, in, in electric planes uh, one thing we didn't mention, by the way, is another form of pollution, which is noise. And yeah. um, this is why the electric plane is so stunning for most people when they came out to the airports. Once the plane starts and it is like 100, 100, 150 meters away, you can't hear it anymore. And it imagine way in the background noise. It's absolutely crazy. So a lot of... Um, camera teams missed our plane because yeah. it makes no noise uh -huh. <laughs> as you said ha, ha. Yeah. we were landed and then everyone oh you're there yeah yeah and imagine you're living close to an airport or maybe an airport has restrictions you know flight times because people shouldn't be too annoyed and uh, this is one of the reasons why toby was so interested not only because of the combustion engine and oil burning oil uh, part but also because uh, on the island you have the loud planes in the air all the time. I call them lawnmowers, you know, like all the time. Um, but with the electric planes, you just don't. And I'm just thinking, I'm asking Morel, who is also an avid uh, f uh, pilot for, um, what is a Segelflugzeug in English? Gliders. Gliders. gliders um, how, how is it with pulling up gliders, for example? Yeah, well, I think all over the world, um, gliders are pulled by a winch, uh, which is limited in height you can gain. I think so four, five, six hundred meters is the maximum limit because of the the rope, uh, the steel rope mm -hmm. uh, weights some 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 kilos. And um, if you want to go higher, and in the Alps you need to go higher, then you have the um, aircraft pulling planes. Um, so you have one uh, motorized aircraft in front, then a rope, and and then the the glider behind and so you basically uh, fly two planes into the air to launch one of them yeah very <laughs> short distance right it's loud yeah, right it's so heavy. The, yeah so that would be perfect it, it's absolutely crazy so uh, the camera team today uh, was interrupted several times by the launch activities of our uh, airfield and and malik you remember probably yeah. our interview were interrupted as well um several times very loud because yeah. they're really loud and it's not only the propeller and it's not only um the the wind from the propeller and, and the plane itself it is mainly especially in the in the start phase it's mainly the engine and um the planes with combustion engine planes com yeah. yeah the combustion mm -hmm. engine and and um noise from the exhaust is one thing but uh, the vibrations which are transferred to the whole body of the airplane is another thing so you have a you have like a drum it, it's resonating and and sounding like a drum especially the old airplanes with with um, some um, um, how do you call it it's not it's not steel it's um, um, aluminum or no no the, the uh, plastic uh, what, what do stuff, they yeah, in, um, yeah. Bespannung, also die Stoffbespannung. Ah, okay I wouldn't know like the cloth it, that's um, put around the body of the plane Right. Okay. And uh, so it really resonates like a drum. And this is a, um, a, a significant amount of, of noise. And um, compared to the previous trail, it's really, as it li lifts off 50 meters uh, in the air or 20 meters in the air, 150 meter distance from, from the viewer, it really fades out into the background noise of, of whatever surrounding. It's absolutely mm -hmm. stunning to see. And during flight, to be honest, um, I like you flow once in this mm -hmm. plane as well. Um, it is not so quiet 
but it's less. It's less vibrations. It's less uh, noisy, but it's not absolutely quiet, to be honest. And but no oil smell. <laughs> no gas smell. No oil. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, it is. It is very, very, very um, promising to see. And and I think if you um, experience this once, same like driving an electric car, you probably won't go back. Yeah. And if people want to get an idea of how the whole trip looked, we just finished our after movie. Uh, maybe you can put it in the show notes. Um, we yeah, put together like a six-minute movie that, uh, it, yeah, it's in German, but I think everybody can understand uh, what's going on. Very good. Yeah, of course. Yeah, actually, I would like to remind the listeners as well that I'm going to put the notes with uh, links to the resources and different aspects of the trip we commented. There's also a story on Allplane TV, allplane.tv. I, I put out a, a story with a main summary of the, of the trip. And that was very I, precise. It was a good one. Oh, it was well, a pleasure yeah, to read. You, you gave me very detailed info. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, it helps to have good sources. Just wanted to, to wrap it up by basically asking you, people that are interested in this field, um, where can they find you? Where can they find out more about your projects? Um, because if I understood correctly, this trip is uh, it's a sort of a one-off but you are not it's not a company uh, that you have set up i don't know if you you have planned to uh, give some continuity to this in some in some way to have other trips other other record-breaking flights other activities um i wanna let me start by saying uh, i had a new idea just recently but it has nothing to do with flying And uh, it's all going to happen uh, around this clean electric uh, podcast community. So once we are ready to put it out to the public, we will. But this will take some time. So we have to find out if it's doable. Um, yeah, um, people can find out uh, more about me. And it's quite complex. I'm playing in bands and doing all kinds of stuff at malik-aziz.de. I guess you're going to put it in the show notes. And I hand over the mic to Morel because uh, he's the guy you want to talk about <laughs> with uh, aviation. Malik, one second before you, you hand it over. Can you please remind us as well of the, your podcast? It's Clean Electric, the Clean Electric podcast. Yeah, it's cleanelectric.de. Okay. So it's in it's German, German, so it's it's in German, exactly. Yeah. So for the German-speaking people, uh, I think you will find a very rich um, information for uh, about all of this. Also, Morel has been on the show, I think, like seven times by now. Um, and uh, we also did uh, one or two dedicated shows about the world record in even more detail than we could do today. Okay, I'll, I'm going to put a link on the show notes because I'm sure at least some of our audience... Uh, can read German and mm -hmm. can understand German. So that's going to be a useful, a useful resource to yeah, you're highlight welcome. there. And Google Translate will have help as well. Uh, regarding the follow-up um, projects, you asked for what's next. So this electric world record flight was definitely a one-off thing. Um, I think it was an absolutely stunning uh, result and, and uh, media coverage on that. So everyone got the idea that electric flying is possible now and today, which is cool was the main goal. I think we, we achieved this very well. Yeah. And um, the follow-up thing, which was a little bit, um, uh, let's say, started in parallel, is the electric flight school in Chinese. So um, Marco um, founded an uh, electric flight school um, a couple of months ago, um, <laughs> even without a plane. <laughs> And now <laughs> we have one, uh, two. We, no, we have two fun of these. And um, you can learn flying now with an electric airplane or you can learn to fly an electric airplane if you're already in pilot, which is cool. 
Um, this is one thing and um, the other thing is um, I'm quite recent uh, often invited now into whatever uh, conferences or um, company meetings to tell the story about the electric um, world record flight and the electrification of the aviation industry which is a uh, which is very nice and um, I'm quite well connected to the Swiss aviation industry, the innovative part of the Swiss innovation um, industry. And um, yeah, um, this is mainly what's, what's going on here on this side. Uh, for me personally, um, if anyone needs some whatever speaker or storyteller or even a consultant about this, how to transform your business into the sustainable transportation or energy sector, uh, reach out to me. How should they contact you? What's the best way? Um, I have a web page, um, morel.io for input output, uh, which is set up by Malik and team as well. So the, the trailer you find there is, uh, is a shapes production, which is a company from Malik. So you see everything comes together here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're connected. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it really makes fun to work with these guys. Thanks you so much, uh, Malik, for your efforts here. And, and even the six minutes um, film about our uh, flight is such a touching and emotional um, film it is absolutely stunning the, the sound uh, connected to the pictures i'm 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 really really <laughs> amazed about that i'm, I'm flattered <laughs> gonna tell it to tom thank you <laughs> and 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 even tom yeah don't forget tom on that and um yeah i would say the next steps here um electric uh, pilot school which is amazing um, we are now in, in very, very uh, interesting discussions with um, electric grid providers and charging infrastructure providers to set up something what Tesla called supercharger network, uh, I think in Spain and, and all over Europe as well, over the world as well. And um, we were now heading for electric power chargers uh, on airfields. So this will be the next step and let's go for it. So uh, it's absolutely a greenfield approach. And um, uh, I'm happy to share my knowledge about how to approach to air, air field, well, to, to airfields and to airports about that, to, to tell the story and to get this onto the same page and, and, and uh, excite them about that. Um, I think it will be definitely the next stage in, in aviation industry. And there's so many things to do and so many business opportunities for companies in this field or s starting to go into this field. Uh, reach out to me. Yeah, it's cool. I have one more Sorry, mm -hmm. I have yeah, one more tidbit, ahead. which could be interesting. Uh, yes. I recently had a quite a long interview with uh, somebody from Australia, from Sydney. That's a shout out to Nick Maher. A very nice talk, uh, like today. And uh, he is actually, he told me he also spoke to Ivo Boscarol, who is the boss of Pipistrel before. He's a filmmaker. Nick is a filmmaker. And uh, he's also learning how to fly a plane like he's becoming a pilot and he was so intrigued by our project that he said he even he was apologizing he said i'm sorry um maybe i sh should have told you before we had a long talk like i was i had the idea to do something like you guys did here in australia and i i don't want to step on anyone's toes i'm like no 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 we set up those world records so everybody could basically break them because the more people are getting into this field are getting into electric planes the less people are gonna you know burn oil flying combustion engine 
planes. So you're more than welcome. You can have all our resources. Just text me, ask me. Uh, I'm going to give you all the help you need to make this happen. And I think so far there's no pipistrelle in Australia, but they are coming. So um, I I would be more than happy, like, I don't know, in a year's time or whenever it's going to happen to see another follow-up movie to our after movie um, because Nick uh, and maybe a team um, made it happen down there. So uh, the thing is spreading faster than I anticipated and I'm, and I guess the team, we have really happy about that. I recently heard about Ride Rudder Aviation in US, which is the uh, uh, the distributor for PPS Trail in US. Uh, and um, well, yeah, I will reach out to them and, and invite them to some kind of these projects of crossing uh, the US by this plane. Uh, we will be amazing as well, a uh, little bit <laughs> longer <laughs> distance. But um, as I said, it is, it's only a logistical challenge and, and you need some, let's say, stamina and, and endurance uh, to make it happen um, because the limited range of this plane from 50 minutes to around 100 kilometers uh, will, will br make this a little bit challenging. But um, yeah, it would be absolutely cool if anyone jumps on that and uh, a week after our um, final landing in Chennis again, um, we show this plane in uh, Grenchen um, to the Electric Fly-In, which is the biggest, I would say in Europe, uh, biggest um, electric flying community event. And uh, I met a Bertrand Picard from Solar Impulse, and, and I think everyone uh, with a pilot license knows uh, the name by Bertrand Picard. For everyone who don't, um, he was the first guy around the world with a balloon, the first guy with a solar plane around the world. So it was, uh, he's, he's absolutely Uh, um, an amazing uh, person and, and really pulled off crazy projects and he congratulated us to this amazing effort and achievements and he said well uh, records are there to break and he warmly invites everyone to break these kind of records and same on our side Malik I think um, we both are uh, warmly invite everyone who break our records it's, it's less about the records it's more to make this visible and yeah. Yeah, you have to. Then. Yeah, you have to imagine when we came up with this idea, it wasn't to set up records. It was to just bring the plane up to Toby and show everyone in the community that it's able, uh, that it's possible. But then we understood quite quickly that the records are ga uh, gathering media attention, and we had so much more than we could have ever anticipated. Like we had so-called contacts, uh, like people who saw what we did uh, by the millions. We were on all national, the biggest national TV stations in Germany, like RTL, Sat1, WDR, Tagesthemen, which is very big in Germany. It's uh, the news site. Swiss media as well. Yeah, Swiss media. So it was all over the place and all the newspapers. Um, we had DPA, which is a Deutsche Presseagentur, which is basically providing for all the small newspapers. So it was really everywhere and i was stunned by that because I, i was the media contact and i wasn't anticipating this which was kind of a problem because i was the ground crew But, you know it's like you're you're in the ground crew car you have only you sleep four hours every night you're rushing to the next airport and your phone is ringing because one big media outlet wants to talk to you and then you have to decline the call because you have no time because you have to tell the driver where we have to leave the autobahn next you know it's like this was crazy we i think we could have used one or two more people <laughs> explicitly only for that. I wasn't anticipating that a small bubble like the electric flying, not, not only electric cars, which are already a small bubble community, but also electric flying in even smaller bubble in the, within the bubble would 
get that much media attention. And it did, which is a good sign. So, um, yeah, we are really warmly inviting everybody um, to basically do the same and just make this thing bigger, make the transition faster. That's also what Tesla are saying, by the way. Every time they say, we can't do this alone. And, and uh, to close on that, so we, we turned one of the disadvantages of this kind of plane, uh, the limited range, to an absolutely um, crucial thing on this whole trip. Every stopover, every charge stopover we had was a small or medium or even large mm -hmm. um, electric mobility happening. So we had several hundred people attending our landings, uh, talking to us, um, get some whatever food. And, and it, was, it was really amazing to see how they are into this, how they are um, following our um, flight. And again, Malik did an amazing job in, in Instagram and we had a live stream from the cockpit yeah. and a YouTube channel and everything. So Live we, tracking, we made... people could track us on a map on our homepage where we were. So we did a lot of work to make it happen, but um, that everyone jumped on these opportunities, this was great to see. So I'm so thankful for all the support from um, the community, clean electric community, uh, or even medias and our sponsors. Um, uh, a loud shout out to, to the sponsors to make this happen. Uh, it was really cool. And everyone who wants to uh, make it in his own country or um, a promotion project like this. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about this until this minute, but uh, reach out to me. I would help to, to organize it. I think we learned a lot. Yes. And uh, and, and Call us. To be and, and uh, let, let you know, it is not as easy as it looks like from outside. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I, I was about to, um, I mean, if your, your trip between the the Alps on the north, he was already epic. I cannot imagine <laughs> this guy that wants to fly it all the way to Australia. Oh no, God, no, it, within Australia. He's in Sydney and I don't ah, know where yeah, he wants you, to go, but Australia is big. <laughs> but he should, he should take the, the plane on a ferry flight somehow, right? I mean, <laughs> that's going to be like the, the, those early days of aviation where they did like 30 stops to get yeah. to, uh, yeah. to, to go one continent to another. I pity the ground crews that he's going to use already. Yeah. In, in yeah. like Australia heat. And I guess uh, in Germany, we have, I guess, uh, Morel, we have quite a lot of those small airfields. I don't know how you would do that in Australia. I mean, you can't go cross country for sure, but I don't know. Yeah, tell me about you, it. You, you will be surprised. I, I don't know um, the Australian airfield uh, density from now, but I think uh, you will be surprised how many airfields are over there. Uh, same with US, I think. Mm -hmm. um, nice. I think it's, yeah, and, and again, it's, it's a logistical challenge. So um, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Let's make it happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, very good. So, um, hats off to the uh, electric mobility community that uh, participated in this. Thank you so much for uh, this very interesting, fascinating account of your electric flight, setting the records for uh, this new era of aviation. Hopefully, uh, you will uh, uh, be soon coming up with new initiatives to continue promoting clean energy. Let me know. We'll be happy to feature you again whenever there's some new initiative that can be, you know. So we have the plane over here. You can come over to Switzerland and fly around um, even as a passenger or as a pilot. It is uh, absolutely stunning. Yeah, we have we have quite a list of interested people, but um, happy to put you on this list. Um, I would share and spread the love for electric aviation. Yeah, mm -hmm. certainly. Whenever the uh, travel conditions allow, why not? Yeah. You yeah, know, last time I flew in Switzerland, I was flying in an old 1930s vintage aircraft. So that's, it's going to be uh, 
completely different experience. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it is like a t driving a Tesla in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So absolutely also my pleasure. Uh, thanks for being on the show. And I absolutely admire your drive for writing and even podcasting about this topic and spreading the word. It's awesome. Thank you, Mikael. Thank you. Thank you so much. Speak with you soon. And one more thing before you go. Remember, you can subscribe to the Oplane podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other platforms. If you like this podcast, please do not hesitate to give it a good rating or to recommend it to a friend. See you soon. Yeah.